How do you know that you're real? How do you know that the people around you are real? How do you know that that embarrassing thing you did last week actually happened and isn't just a false memory created to torture you? This week we get deep and talk about the possibility that we're all just one big game of Sims and that we're in the swimming pool and that someone has just deleted the fucking ladder. Welcome to this week's episode of Cat's Cabinet of Curiosities. I'm Cat, And I'm Tom. And today we're talking about simulation theory. Uh, is that a robot yeah. that you're doing? Yeah, did you like it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it, but this isn't a theory about like robots, is it? Really? Well, it's kind of about computers. But we're yeah, all but computers. computers aren't robots. Are they not? No, because robots have arms and stuff like that. Hmm. It's a very strict definition of robots. I guess. I didn't think to look up the definition of robot. I didn't think it was going to come up. I th- Honestly, I thought it was just going to be funny, and then I thought we were going to move on. But okay, I see how it is. You're no. calling me out on my shit, so... <laughs> you have been cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've got quite a hefty episode today, so I'm just going to s- jump in as soon as possible. But before we start, I do want to do a thank you to a couple of guys who have been listening and they wrote us a lovely review and I really appreciated it and it made me so happy. Uh, it's really loud outside currently because there's rugby players walking past my window. Can you hear that? I can't hear it, but the people at home might be able to. Okay. Well, I'm very but, sorry if you can hear it. Yeah. Blame rugby as a sport, not us. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> so thank you to Talon Cusack and Andrew Rosenberg, who are from Rockford, Michigan, which I googled and looks like the cutest little American town I've ever seen. And Is it? it? Honestly, it looks adorable. They have their own website. <laughs> well, they have their own website is the cute thing or is in the website shows how cute the town is bit of both bit of both mm, fairs yeah and i just feel like they're the only people not living in a simulation so talon and andrew you don't need to worry about any of this stuff um because of their <laughs> lovely review they're exempt from all the existential dread that's going to set in after this episode so yeah, but just that don't worry would, about that would it. imply that would imply that the only place that exists is Rockford, Michigan, and that everywhere else is a simulation bubble kind of built outside it. Honestly, from the photos, I don't think Rockford, Michigan does exist. I think it's too cute. <laughs> so I think they exist, but the place they live doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you anyway, guys, for whether you exist or not. Thank you for, for listening and um, writing nice words about it because it means a lot. And that's yeah, nice. It really does. It was such a lovely review. Anyway. We're going to jump into simulation theory, because as I said, this might be a long episode. We're splitting it into two parts. So, essentially, simulation theory is the idea that our universe is all a computer simulation. So, we, as beings, are just electrical signals passing through some big computer as it simulates the universe. So, 
we're all just like ones and zeros of consciousness, which fucks you up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a one or a zero. I'm a nuanced being. Well, maybe you're lots of ones and zeros. Can I at least have like a five or something as well? No, Tom. Fives aren't allowed. (laughs) 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 All right, racist. (laughs) Right, this episode is going to be divided into two parts. For the first part, I'm essentially going to be doing a crash course in some quantum mechanics stuff, which you need to know to understand this paradox that we're going to be talking about, which indicates simulation theory might be a thing. So we've got some heavy stuff here. And then next week, we'll have part two, where we'll talk about the other evidence for being in a simulation and the consequences of being in a simulation. And we'll probably decide if we're in a simulation just finally, Tom and I are going to be the final people who decide whether we're in a simulation. <laughs> Imagine if in like years from now in philosophy classes, like um, along with all these great philosophers like, uh, you know, Socrates and whatever, they've also got Cat and Tom did on episode 23 of their podcast. Is it 23? They solved. Uh, this is 20. Yeah, this is 23, this one. And the next one's 24. Mm-hmm. 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 But I just saying, like, that would be a strange place for an ethical um, dilemma to be solved. Well, it is going to be where an ethical dilemma is solved, Tom. So buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so for our purposes, we're going to consider a really simplified view of quantum mechanics and the way that particles move. Um, And we're going to say that particles can either spin up or down. So when I say this, basically, imagine that you're holding a marble between your thumb and index finger. So you've got like your thumb facing you and your index finger facing your thumb, like horizontally. Does that make sense? Wait, so the back of my thumb is facing me? Yeah. Okay. So imagine you're holding a marble between those fingers. We're going to call when you move your thumb up, it will twist the marble up. When you move your thumb down, it will twist the marble down. Do you see what I mean? Yep. So, I'm literally physically doing it in front of me. Yeah, me too. I, have that little <laughs> I hope everyone at home is doing it as well. So <laughs> I hope you're on the bus right now yeah. listening to this, like <laughs> pretending to fondle an imaginary ball in the air. So when you move your thumb up, we're going to call that spin up. And when you move your thumb down, we're going to call it spin down. So that's just to help you visualise what it looks like. But it's not necessary to visualise. I just like to visualise. Is there a side to side or is that a whole other ballpark? Well done. I was just about to come on to it. Okay. So in our world, it can only spin one way. It can't spin right or left. It can only spin up and down. And that's part of our really basic simplification. um, That a particle can only spin in one direction. Okay. Yeah. I can I can understand that, I think. Yeah. So this is just part of a sort of really basic simplification we're doing to understand what the paradox is, which we'll get into. So, in quantum mechanics, as in the rest of reality, um, until we measure or predict the measurement of the spin, it can't be known. So, by that I mean... Classically, in classical mechanics, which is not quantum mechanics, we'd look at a marble and say, 
Oh, look, it's spinning up. Or, oh, look, it's spinning down. I Uh, hope that in science the phrase, oh, look, is used. (laughs) It is. It is. (laughs) (laughs) But we can also predict with certainty if it will spin up or spin down based on what we do. So if I know my thumb was moving up in classical mechanics, we'd know the marble was spinning upwards with absolute certainty. Right? Right, yeah. Not necessarily true in quantum. So... This is going to be some bullshit, isn't it? (laughs) I'm going to hate this. This is some bullshit. For the purposes (laughs) of explaining this whole thing, we're going to call the environment of a marble the state. So by environment, I mean your thumb moving up. So your thumb moving up would be state up, and your thumb moving down would be state down. Or your thumb moving up would be state one, and your thumb moving down would be state two. And in classical mechanics, your thumb moving up, so state one, would always mean that the marble is spinning upwards. And your thumb moving down, being in state two, would mean that the marble would always move spinning downwards. Okay, I yeah, I can do up down. That's up, the down. limit of my size. That's all we're doing. Yeah. Up down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, strictly speaking, the environment and the state aren't the same thing, but for our purposes, it's an analogy, and it will do. Sure. So, as I said, this isn't true for quantum necessarily. So, this is where the analogy kind of breaks. Say that we've got a quantum particle, which we can kind of imagine as a marble which has been prepared in some way so it's in state one. So it doesn't matter how we prepare it, it doesn't matter if we're twisting our thumbs on it or what we're doing to it, but we've prepared it into be a certain state and the only important thing is that we can replicate this state exactly. Then we measure the spin of a particle. So we have two particles that have been prepared in exactly the same way So, for all intensive purposes, they're identical particles. But if we measure the spin of one, it might be up, and the other spin might be down. So if we had two particles in the same way, despite the fact it's the same state, we do not always get the same spin. So you have identical input and different output. So that would seem to suggest that what you're doing kind of has no actual relevance to what the marble wants to do yeah uh, yeah it's yeah it's really strange when you think of it in terms of marbles because it's sort of imagine if you move your thumb up there was a 50 percent chance that the marble would spin up but there's also a 50 percent chance the marble would spin down and you could never predict with certainty which way it's going to do it well if marbles were people i imagine they would be stubborn bastards so <laughs> just i get the sense from them that there's personality wise they would just kind of do their own thing what marbles or particles marble well both but marbles especially <laughs> they're arrogant i don't What's like wrong them with mar- i like marbles mm, they're, they're a bit flouncy it's like you're, you're a ball just don't be don't be up yourself do you know what was always one of my favorite games as a kid what marbles you know when you jumped marbles though <laughs> You played I should marbles, have seen right? that coming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can you guess? Oh, yeah, it's the thing we've been talking about. <laughs> I think we, we used to have one at home, like a marble set, where you've got them like in a cross and you jump them over to get rid of marbles. Mm, nah, I don't like them. Just like owls, they're untrustworthy. I just, as people, I just don't like them. 
Well, we've stopped talking about marbles now and we're not going to come back to them, so don't worry about it. Good. I'm glad. We're now only talking about particles. And that's kind of all the basics of quantum mechanics you need to know for this paradox. So, yay, you did it. Is that the is that the quantum mechanics crash course, basically? That was that... the quantum mechanics crash course before our paradox, yeah. Oh, well, I learned something without expecting to. Yeah. Woohoo! Hooray. <laughs> right. And I imagine when you get deeper into it, like you're doing on your uh, maths master's course at the moment, I, I imagine the maths starts to get fairly gnarly because you're dealing with things that may or may not do what they should do. Well, it's essentially statistics, right? Because there's 50% chance it will be in either state. There's like quantum mechanics has like statistical um, properties. Right, yeah. So it's like there's a chance the marble is up or down or whatever it is. So now we'll get to a paradox, which is where things get really crazy. They're going to get crazy, boy. Is it going to get off the chain? It's going to get off the chain hook. (laughs) I'm going to get turnt up in this bitch. Yeah, because do you know who's coming in? Who? Einstein. (laughs) I'm just imagining, uh, what's that song that plays during the Thug Life meme? It's probably called Thug Life or something. Yeah, I don't know. That Dr. Dre thing, I think it is. I'm very white. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> right, so here comes Einstein, Podolsky and Rosen, who are three proper smart guys, and they sort of pose the paradox that we're going to talk about. And it's called the EPR paradox because it's Einstein, Podolsky, Rosen. This so, is literally like a hip-hop supergroup. Yeah, it is. Like they've initialed it after themselves. Uh-huh. They've collaborated on a mixtape. And they've done a um, diss rap battle. I know rap. <laughs> a diss rap hip-hop. battle. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the proper terminology is. I, I think I said it, right? Probably not. Um, but anyway, science. You know science. Let's stick to that. Right. So the paradox, we're going to frame it as... We're going to imagine that two particles are created and we're going to call them particle one and particle two. So again, each particle can either have its spin up or its spin down. But in the creation process, they have somehow become linked so that if one is up, the other is down. And we see this in protons and electrons. It is both mathematically and experimentally shown. And this is what is known as like quantum entanglement. So you have two particles created together. They have the same wave function, which means they're described by the same overarching equation. Does that mean they wobble in the same kind of way? It just means they're complementary. So if one's up, the other will be down. And right, if the yeah. other, So if particle one is up, particle two will be down. If particle two is up, particle one will be down. Wait. Did I just say the same thing twice? Uh, you both did and did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was good. Quantum jokes. Yeah. So I'm not going to explain why they're entangled, because that's a way above my understanding. And all we need to know is that they are entangled, and it's been experimentally verified again and again and again. 
And if they were not entangled, we'd expect about 50% of the time they would either be both up or both down. But this never, ever happens. It's always one up, one down. Always. That's crazy. So that would, it, it, it seems to suggest that, like, one is aware of the other or, you know, I'm personifying it. But yeah. like that. Yeah, it's fucking that, insane. It's okay. almost like, you know, when you're, or you won't because you didn't have younger siblings, but like sometimes I would do something and one of my younger siblings would copy me. So I'd immediately change my mind and be like, well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and then they'd like follow me again. It is like that. <laughs> <laughs> so we now think about two scientists who have set up labs at opposite ends of the universe or they're just really far apart. So Lab A is owned by Alice and Lab B is owned by Bob. And those are the typical names you use in maths, A and B, Alice and Bob. It's stupid, ah. but Alice well, and it's, Bob. Well, it's, it's at least, it's at least um, you know, gender balanced. It, yeah. Has, yeah. it has higher female representation than most Hollywood movies, like percentage-wise. <laughs> That's wise. very true, yeah. So Alice and Bob, you know. Yeah. Alice is doing it for herself. She knows what she wants and she's got it. And do you know what she wants? <laughs> what does she want? One half of an entangled particle pair. This would be such a good rom-com. I know. Oh, oh my God. It actually would if Alice and Bob were opposite ends of the universe and the only way they could communicate was through their matching, like, particles. <laughs> That's like... It's like a physics equivalent of the old other half of the amulet kind yeah. of trope. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um. Okay, so Alice yeah. measures the spin of her particle, so we'll call that particle one, and she finds it to be up. Bob, split seconds later, or even instantaneously, measures the spin of his particle, which we'll call particle two. And we know from all the quantum mechanics we just learned that he will find it to be down because Alice's was up. Right? Yeah. So even if they're like infinitely far apart, even or not infinitely, infinitely, but like massively. Yeah, even if they're really far apart. So, so my, that, that's crazy. If you're still that not, is crazy. If you're still not convinced that that's crazy. No, I, you don't have to sell this to me. I'm <laughs> very much on the crazy train. Right? Choo-choo. Particle two knows particle one's spin. So some of you might be thinking, okay, but particle one was always just spinning up and particle two was just always spinning down and we didn't know. And that was kind of what Einstein thought. So if particle one was always spinning up, and there must have been some kind of coded thing we didn't see, like a hidden variable that decides if it's spinning up or spinning down, but we have not been able to measure. So this would kind of all like make sense with the example from earlier, that preparing particles in the same state gives different results. So maybe there's something hidden in the state that we haven't seen. So do you remember earlier I said that like you prepare two things in exactly the same way? And then you measure them and they come out different. Yeah. Maybe Einstein postulated that it was because there were things we didn't know about them, that there was a hidden variable. Yeah, it could just be a we don't understand enough 
And yeah. if we understood more, something would become clear. Yeah. Even though it seems crazy. Yeah. Like maybe the mo- maybe there's just a thumb and finger twisting the particle and we can't see it and we haven't detected the thumb and finger and there's no way to know it's there, but it's there. The invisible finger. Yeah. The thing is that this is mathematically impossible. Not the thumb and the finger, the idea of a hidden variable. So I know everyone hates it when maths teachers say, trust me and don't explain something to you. But <laughs> <laughs> Kat, to be honest, I think that's more your own experience because the rest of us, we are happy to not have to like think too much about stuff. So if there's in the in this like, you know, the death post truth era, we're quite happy for someone to just go, This is true. You know, don't worry your little head, don't check Twitter. It's fine. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, there's not a hidden variable, my friend. Okay, and I'm fine with that information. Okay. So, this seems strange, but in quantum mechanics and basically all physics, we have to follow the maths, and this stuff is so strange, and stuff in general relativity doesn't seem to make sense, but, like, experimentally it's shown to be true again and again and again, hundreds of years after the maths was developed. You just have to follow the maths, and I'm sorry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Thug life is playing again in the distance. Uh Uh-huh. This is a cool episode, Tom. I'm feeling my oats. <laughs> feeling your oats? You're so straight. It, so, no, sorry. Is that an LGBT phrase that I'm not aware of? Yeah, feeling your oats. It's a Gia Gunn from RuPaul's Drag Race saying, I'm feeling I... my oats. Okay, I watch RuPaul's Drag Race with you. I heard her say that phrase once. I was like, she's made that up, or she's from farming stock. No, it's a thing. I think people have said it since she said it. I'm sure it was around before her, though. I like how I'm more willing to pick you up information-wise on whether feeling your oats is a phrase, but not on the maths of, uh, trust me, (laughs) there's no variable. (laughs) That says something about me, I feel. If you do want to read more about why there's no hidden variable... You can search Bell's Theorem um, and you can learn all sorts of stuff there, but I'm not going to go into it. In the meantime, I promise that hidden variables have pretty much been ruled out. And one way to think of it is like if particle one is heading across the universe and bumps into other particles on the way, that will potentially change its spin. And particle two would have to know that information, but so it would have to be able Mm. to predict the future. It would have to be able to know what particle one was going to encounter. Are you talking about time-aware particles? Yeah. But that's why hidden variables don't exist. Okay, well, I hate that, so cool. (laughs) Tom's just like, no, okay, yeah, Einstein was wrong. He's a fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just, I I know that you're going to unlay lay some truth on me that I don't like and time travelling particles is one of those things that I'm not going to enjoy you're not going to get on board with it's not that I won't get on board with it it's just that I'll be like oh the universe is complicated (laughs) it is (laughs) anyway so we've come to the end of me explaining the paradox so to clarify the paradox is that somehow Two particles at opposite ends of the universe know which the other is doing. So, particle one 
knows exactly what Particle 2 is doing and Particle 2 knows what Particle 1 is doing. And long distance relationships are hard, so they that's pretty are. good going. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they never get to spin together. Yeah. So I've got five possible explanations for this, one of which is simulation theory and will come to last. So oh. the first explanation I'm going to give is the commonly accepted one by physicists. And when I say it, you will hate it because it's awful. And oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this. called the Copenhagen interpretation, if you want to search it. There's a lot of jargon in this episode. I'm aware it's very, like, science-heavy. I really enjoyed writing it, and I'm worried it's going to be really dull, but hopefully people will enjoy it. Well, last week we talked about Mothman, and the week before we talked about people drinking their own piss. So yeah. I think, on balance, we might need some highbrow uh, content. <laughs> okay, so we've got the Copenhagen interpretation. So it's the current understanding of quantum mechanics. It's, the, it's probabilistic in nature. So the questions like, what was the particle spin before I measured it, are just meaningless. And the measurement process randomly chooses one of the possibilities so this is insane this means that in measuring the spin we are actively causing the spin to be in a certain direction so until it's measured it spins neither way and the act of looking at it and knowing which way it spins means it spins in that direction so to be clear, this doesn't mean measuring it is knocking the particle and causing it to spin. It's the act of observing it that causes it to spin. <laughs> That's some inception bullshit. That's like, you know, the spinning top he has and yeah. it spins to like make him think um, that the world around him is not real yeah. or whatever. A particle's fucking with us. It's so fucked up. They're just like, you can't look at me, you can't look at me. You... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do my ballerina twirl. The scientist is looking. And this is just the best we can come up with to explain what's going on currently. Like, obviously, this is kind of insane. But with our current knowledge, this is just our best understanding that it is probabilistic. And yeah. It's been working for year, hundreds of years and quantum mechanics is experimentally verified again and again and again. And how? I, how? <laughs> so they, so they like verified, they've done the look at it, then look away for a second and then look back quickly kind of trick, that sort of thing. Yeah, because essentially they've put it like in a vacuum. So you can't, once you've looked at it, it will always be in the state the spin up or spin down once you've observed it there's no going back but until right. you've observed it it's there's 50 percent chance it will be up and 50 percent chance it'll be down but then as you said earlier until you've measured something it is unknowable by definition so we don't know what yes. it does before yeah. we measure it and it's something even crazier which i didn't plan on talking about but whatever we're here now <laughs> um is that if you know with certainty the position of a particle, of a quantum particle, you can never know the momentum. So. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, this so is Heisenberg. It's, it's a paradox you, 
you either know the position or the or the speed. Yeah, yeah. Because isn't there there's some joke about whatever the scientist is that um, that found that uh, Heisenberg of some Heisenberg is that yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Ah, well, the joke is that he's um, he's driving home and then he gets pulled over by a cop, and the cop comes up to him and he goes. Um, excuse me, Heisenberg, do you know how fast you were going? And he goes, no, but I know where I am. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that before. <laughs> ah, have you not? No, no. I heard the joke before I heard the scientific principle and I was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this man is ill. What is he doing? <laughs> anyway, that. sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, that was just an interlude of other crazy shit. <laughs> Okay, let's let's have more of the crazy shit of uh, what this might explain this or whatever. Okay, so the second sort of thing that people have proposed is that somehow information is travelling between particle one and particle two faster than the speed of light. I don't like that. Yeah, it, it's unlikely that. to be true because if something can travel faster than the speed of light then relativity breaks and time travel becomes possible and everything gets fucked up. <laughs> what Do you think if they had discovered time travel, they would tell us? Or would they just be like, you know what, this is too much. They can't handle, <laughs> they can't handle having Facebook um, without voting for Trump. So <laughs> we are not ready for this. I mean, they're hiding the UFOs from us, Tom, so they're going to hide time travel. Sure, yeah, because we, we can't handle the idea of a, a green man from no. space. We can't, no. How are we going to handle time travel? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, work productivity would plummet because we'd all just be like, no, I'll time travel and do it later. It really would. <laughs> hmm. So then explanation number three is that somehow the particles know exactly what's going to happen to the other particle. And so... Everything in our universe is predetermined as all the possible interactions particle one has along the way is known by particle two. So there's no free will. Everything is set in stone and nothing can ever change. OK, I don't like that either. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's my sure. least favourite. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the one I hate most. Yeah. Even though it starts with quite a romantic notion of, ah, oh, this particle knows exactly what the other one's going to do for all time. Yeah. When it ends with, uh, there is no God free is will dead. and your life is meaningless. Yeah. Well, I kind of knew that already, but I assumed that was because of <laughs> capitalism rather than particles. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Again, this is unlikely to be true because electrons would have to store like all of this information somewhere, like all the information of everything that's going to happen in the universe. And that kind of falls into the same holes of the hidden variable theory, where it's just a lot of information to hide from us. Like you can hide, you can run, but you can't hide from physics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the information would have to be like stored in the cloud or something. Yeah, and then time would accidentally break because someone would hack in and find an electron's nudes. Or well, also because if it was in the cloud, like it would have to travel faster than the speed of light. And we've already gone over how that is not a good idea. <laughs> okay, sorry, bad idea. Yeah. Let's not even suggest it. No, don't. How dare you? In case the act of like suggesting something causes the particles to do yeah. something. <laughs> um, also, if this were true, 
you could probably use electrons to predict the future. So we're going to rule number three out. Just, just out of hope. Just, yeah. <laughs> More than anything else. So number four. I feel like um, Scylla Black on... <laughs> oh my god yeah particle blind date yeah you should okay so theory number four this theory is oh fuck i can't come up with something sexy um <laughs> good improv cat i know what what's a... this is lucy she's an electron she lives in all time and space oh she has a long-distance boyfriend called Adrian. He lives on the other side of the universe. But she doesn't mind cheating. <laughs> that was sexy, right? <laughs> I sort of, if you like subterfuge, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> what is, uh, what's Lucy's game then? What, what is she? Is that somehow these particles don't experience time or there's different dimensions or there's something fucked up that's happening where every time you measure the spin, you're creating two parallel universes where one spin is up and one spin is down. And if that's true, they have to stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a multiverse <laughs> theory, and it's also kind of unlikely to be true because it would also contradict relativity. So if you remember Alice and Bob, if Alice and Bob measure at exactly the same time, relativity says... This is getting into a whole other thing, but relativity says if you're really far away and you measure two things at exactly the same time, they're not at exactly the same time if you stand somewhere else. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I know. Um, what the fuck is this? So, <laughs> yeah, um, time depends on where you're standing, essentially. And if Alice and Bob did it at exactly the same time, which universe would split off first is the question. And then it would basically contradict relativity because, yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to say uh, Lucy can um, remain behind the mystery door. Yeah. I'm not going to go on a date with her because I don't want the universe to break. So, behind door number five. What's behind door number five? We're in a simulation. <laughs> it says something because i hate the idea of being in simulation but after you've given all those explanations it actually sounds quite nice now yeah it does it really does compared to to everything else yeah provided those are like the only explanations which you know yeah yeah there might be a door number six that opens yeah um, i mean there's someday. lots of other like things people have like come up with but these are kind of like the ones i wanted to talk about and the ones that are like semi-plausible in my Sem opinion the, these are the semi-plausible ones yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the most plausible one is that uh, reality is a lie and your life means nothing <laughs> i don't know what to tell you tom yeah quantum mechanics is S fucked up yeah man Next time I'm late for work and they're like, why are you late? I'm going to be like, dude, have you heard about electrons? <laughs> Jeez, fucking electron bullshit, man. There's all this stuff. Yeah, there is all and, this stuff. Yeah. So wow. I hope I explained that fairly clearly. We've kind of 
coming to the end of this episode with the bombshell that is behind door number five. We're in a simulation. And for the reasons described above, that none of the other theories seem to fit, and our current understanding, the Copenhagen method, the Copenhagen interpretation, is fucking bizarre. They're, they're all bananas, and I'm quite glad I don't do science things. <laughs> um, when you work in marketing, no one comes in and is like, hey guys, does time exist? It's, you know, it's more like, can we make this yogurt look appealing to millennials? Mm-mm. <laughs> that's that's more the reality I choose. Yeesh. <laughs> 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 so, living in a simulation, then mm-hmm. I guess we're going to talk about it more next episode. Yeah. Um, yes. But that, but that ha- has that come from a specific person or source? Um, it it has come from a couple of scientists. I can't directly remember their names now. I'm sorry. I did that's bad right. research. That's, that can be next episode. That's a teaser. Yeah, that'll be a teaser for next episode. <laughs> um, so yeah, now that we've discussed the reasoning behind simulation theory, we can all sleep tight knowing that that time that you called your teacher mum didn't really happen. <laughs> so <laughs> come back next week to hear more about how your life is meaningless and nothing matters. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at catscabinet underscore pod and on Facebook at atscatscabinet. Thanks for listening. Your life is meaningless. Goodbye. <laughs>